Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. Please rate, review, subscribe. If you feel so inclined, please smash that subscribe button. We'd appreciate it. And hey, just tell somebody about us. We'd love for you to do that. Absolutely. Our guest on the show today from The Athletic and host of the morning show on 1025 The Game, literally my old job, Joe Rexroad, a fantastic author, writer, speaker, just general wonderful guy with a brilliant mind for sports. Been around a long time. Uh, and we're going to have a long conversation with him about all of the drama that took place over the last well, week or so concerning his long-form piece about Jerry Stackhouse, the reaction to that, and then his reaction to the reaction, and then our reaction to his reaction to the reaction. There's just so many reactions, Steve, on the show. Well, let's get in the weeds. <laughs> let's go. Yes, very, very much deep in the weeds. Of course, lame stream before we do that, brought to you by the wonderful, amazing, spectacular people at Jaspers. Jaspers! See, you do the hands too, Steve. You threw your hands in the air <laughs> when you said Jaspers. <laughs> you're you're just like as a, guilty as me. I feel like a three-year-old when I do it. Go. It's so much fun. Just just feel the vibes. Uh, all right, so go to Jaspers. Maybe not like to like today because there's it's tough to drive everywhere, but be safe. Drive slowly to Jaspers or walk to Jaspers if you can. They got tons of space to be socially distanced, 9,000 square feet. There is free parking if you do have a car that that you feel comfortable driving around Nashville in. But that this will all be gone soon. And then as soon as it's like 60 degrees next Monday, go to Jasper's and uh, check out fantastic food. The dog, the Jasper's dog is spectacular. That one is one of the best hot dogs you will have in the entire city. And it is not exactly served like a hot dog. You will enjoy it. Trust me. Take my word for it. Go try you a Jasper's dog. Look, six words will seal the deal for you. Cornbread with red onion bacon jam. <laughs> Done. Go to Jasper. I, I think you just hit all of my wife's erogenous zones. <laughs> red onion, bacon, and jelly. Like those are all of her favorite things. There's no no question about that. Uh, no, is it, it Deb Paquette menu for top hospitality are the people who have presented Jasper's to Nashville, a uh, trusted name in Nashville cuisine for over 30 years. So go check it out. It's really, really good. Really good stuff. Great food, great space. Lots of lots of places to to, to feel safe and comfortable. Uh, grab and go market, all that good stuff, and free parking. All right, Joe Rexrode on the show today. Long long interview with him. Long conversation. He's I love talking with him, Steve. And of course, this I'll, I can quickly lay it all out. He wrote a, a Jerry Stackhouse article. We've got links in the in the show bio there. Uh, he wrote a long form interview, kind of diving deep into who Jerry Stackhouse is on a Friday morning that came out on the Athletic. There was then a big response to it, some misleading headlines, some aggregation and blogger type stuff that sort of took it and ran with it in, in, in incorrect and irresponsible directions. And then he had to respond. Then Jerry Stackhouse had to respond to it on Saturday night after a game. And then Joe Rexford had to come back and respond again. There was just, I guess the lesson here from, from my perspective, Steve is, is just that things can be twisted very quickly and things can be twisted very quickly by people without, you know, the, the best of intentions that are trying to get people riled up for maybe the wrong reasons. And I, I guess that's sort of my my lesson from this this week's experience. It's much easier to twist something on social media and take it out of context than it is to read an actual piece, walk away from it and 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 get that twisted meaning because you don't. <laughs> when you read it in when you read the piece and you read the context, you don't walk out of there with the way that it was twisted online. It's it it, it this is a fascinating little episode. 
So there's a couple lessons here. One for the media people who listen to this, because we know a lot of you listen. (laughs) Number one is that you just sort of have to be prepared for this type of thing to happen, right? It's just going to happen. And number two for for people consuming media is just like use critical thinking and consume as much as you can before making a rash leap to judgment, which I guess is probably difficult to ask of people. But I guess that's that's my that would be my lesson. It, It was fascinating to watch this thing kind of take off, particularly on Twitter. Into, into something by A, bad faith actors, and B, people who had not read the original piece. I, I always love that one, like the, the, the retweet without actually clicking on the link. <laughs> like that's, the, that's the, the best thing that happens on Twitter. So Joe's going to do a lot of the explaining here. And, you know, it's, it's a really fun conversation. He's a really smart guy. So get, give it a listen. We do appreciate it. We'll be back afterward, of course, with, with our recommendations uh, as well. So here's our conversation with The Athletics, Joe Rexrod. Joe, thanks for joining us, man. We do appreciate it. Always a pleasure to talk with you, my friend. And we obviously are going to sort of uh, deconstruct the entire process with which uh, this whole Jerry Stackhouse thing has happened. So let's start with sort of the purpose and the intent behind the article you wrote for The Athletic last Friday, a long form look at Jerry Stackhouse in a lot of different ways. Tell everybody what was the purpose and the intent of writing that piece from the beginning. Well, before I do that, Braden, I just want to say thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed the pod. I think this is a great idea for a pod. I'm glad I could finally do something controversial enough to be invited. I mean, you know, (laughs) there are a couple of PAs and interns in the area that you haven't had on the show yet before you invited me on. So I I beat them out. So, you know, I'll get my my little sensitivity out of here at the beginning. But in all seriousness, I do love the pod. And, uh, you know, I know the the kids say shooters shoot, but we got to save some bullets, you know. Okay. So, okay. So I'm, I'm like the, I'm like, uh, yeah, like the long range shooter off the bench kind of thing. Yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, if, if that's, if that's a compliment to you, Joe, then yes. If you don't like playing that role, then no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the Stackhouse story, Mike, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing uh, how this is all unfolded. And I guess really how, like, I think back to when it ran and even like, look at that quote, ah, good quote. I like that. I'll throw that in there. Okay. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, of course this happened. But to go back to just the, the origin of the story, uh, I've wanted to write about Jerry for a while. And when he had the postgame presser after Arkansas, which was very pointed and he was pissed off and you know, he said his team does dumb shit. And, you know, he, he said like Miles Studi in particular, you know, the freshman who has, you know was struggling defensively. That along with like another round of apparently like Twitter blockings. Um, I was like, okay, I, I'll try to see, see what's up here, you know, and uh, see if he'll want to talk about this. And I reached out and he was receptive to it. And frankly, I think he really wanted to say a lot of things. And honestly, that, I mean, the interview, which of course, I mean, I posted like the whole, well, I posted most of the transcript, the athletic.com, but even like my editors are like, including someone, you know, well, Mitch Light. It's like, yeah, like 7,500 words. You're asking people to. So I took the first two, which was about 2,500, and tweeted them out separately. But anyway, the whole transcript is out there. And it was, honestly, it's one of the best interviews I've done in a long time. It was great. It was fun. And it was real. And it was a coach. It just, I think this used to happen a lot more, but it was a coach just being honest and saying what he actually thought. I thought he, like, I came away thinking, man, like Vanderbilt fans, you're going to read this and be like, okay, at least, you know, like the guy wants the job, 
he's in on the job. And then, you know, he, he's not here trying to be here for a couple of years and go to the NBA. And he's got a lot of passion. And I knew that some of the stuff would, would raise eyebrows, of course, because he is combative. Um, and he took direct shots at Jeff Goodman. That whole thing is pretty funny. But um, anyway, I, I can't, you know, talk to his wife, talk to his brother, talk to Goodman, because, you know, he's ripping Goodman. I've got to talk to Goodman, you know, talk to a recruiting guy. And it, it was kind of a weird story because you're kind of trying to talk about who someone is and what makes them tick. But you're also dealing with some of these recent things. And it's really more of almost like a back and forth story. But I was pretty happy with it. <laughs> and then the weekend arrived. <laughs> so in the interview, Stackhouse brings up Trump supporters and, and there's a lot of context for it. I mean, you read the transcript, you can sort of see there's a run up in the question. There's a, there's a big sort of bit of meat around it in the actual quote, but it's a juicy quote. Were you kind of conscious of the impact of that, that quote's going to have when you put it in the story? Or was this, was this sort of a, eh, it's a good quote. I'm going to put it in kind of thing. It was, I mean, honestly, when he said it, I was like, mm, yeah, I hear you. Sometimes in an interview, like somebody's talking and you're like, oh, he just said the headline. That's great. This wasn't, this wasn't that. Yeah, no, in fact, in fact, I think there's actually a direct quote in the transcript where he's like, he goes on and on about, you know, someone comes in his office, bad grades. And he's like, you know, you want to play basketball? And he's, he's like, I mean, this job's the shit, you know? And I was like, thank you. You just gave me my headline. It actually didn't try to be the headline, but like, that's what I thought. There were other quotes in there that I was like, oh, okay. Including some of the Goodman stuff. That quote, <clears throat> I was like, I mean, certainly you're like, oh, okay. But no, I did not think, oh, this is going to get people riled up, baby. Oh my goodness. And I mean, I'll, I'll say, I've said this, I'll say it to you guys, if I had a time machine now, and this is an interesting discussion too, because if you don't use the quote, I think a lot of people would accuse you of protecting him and you know i'm not here people in our business are not here to protect the people we cover but i would either do that or i would follow up with on it and say okay here's a chance to clarify that i i feel like i got exactly what he meant by it i think what he meant by it is absolutely like there's nothing wrong with it but i should have been able to anticipate that people would take it and say, oh, Stackhouse is saying every loss is because racist Trump supporters hate him or whatever the hell people were saying out there. You know, so I would do one of those two things, probably the second, because I think it's, I, I, you know, it is an interesting quote, but it also didn't really fit in the story. So the way I used it, of course, for anybody who read the story, I had so many good quotes from him. I started each leg with a separate kind of italicized pull quote, a really good one about his mom and his dad, this one and a couple others. So. I absolutely did not, and, and and frankly, I think three editors who looked at it had the same. They said the same thing to me, like, "Yeah, I mean," I was like, "Yeah, oh, there's a quote." Kind of naive, I would say, looking back on it. In in the moment, people can go back and, like you said, there's thousands of words and and lots of talking about it. But in the moment, and and I'll just I can tell you what I took from it when I read it. I just I read it as part of a a larger, a tiny portion of a larger story trying to encapsulate a complicated human, which we all are. And, and there's even a quote from the wife, you know, saying like, hey, Jerry, maybe you should calm down, like on, on social media. Isn't the problem that we have to have this discussion about that five letter word that people cannot get that five letter word out of their out of their ears and their glasses or whatever they're looking through, whatever lens. And that's the problem is that we, we, we can't just pontificate and, and have conversations. Well, no, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, but, you know, I mean, look, like 
to me, if you are someone who fully supports Trump, I would hope you could still understand that one white nationalist and white supremacist championed him and that people of color looked at the Trump era as maybe an indication that racism is quite a problem in this country. You can stop right there and argue on any side of whatever you want and love Trump. But can you honestly sit here and tell me that's not a, a truth? And that are you actually shocked that a person of color would say something like this? And then look, and, and then are you honestly going to take the leap that those words he said equate to Vandy Trumper fans are racist and should stop criticizing me or whatever the fuck people were saying about it, which is so fucking stupid. And now thanks, Braden. Now you got me all riled up. I mean, it's just, it's a joke. Okay. So my re reaction, Braden was like, I mean, honestly, I'd love to see the video of it. We zoomed it. I think when he said that, I was like, eh. you know, I mean, like, yeah, you're right. Of course. <laughs> you know, but again, you don't have to hate Trump or you know, be liberal or whatever to hear what he said and, and acknowledge, like, of course, this is how people feel, in my opinion. God, you got me all riled up, Brady. <laughs> Part of the problem in this is aggregators. So we'll, let's talk about aggregators for a second. It's fact of life in digital media. I've listened to I've listened to a lot of podcasts where I mean like Bill Simmons comes to mind. Inevitably, he'll say something and and he'll be like, "Well, that's there's the headline in the blogs or or, or whatever else." What's your view of aggregators, sort of like within the media ecosystem, and do you have to keep that in mind when you're doing a big takeout piece like this? Well, I think this was a learning lesson because see the aggregators have been around a long time. Did I just say aggravators? And that's actually Same a difference. nice uh, Freudian slip. Yeah. They've been around a long time and yeah, they're going to pick out something juicy and go, then that's fine. But there's aggregators. And then there's, well, I, I wrote this in the follow-up to this, there's bad faith aggregators who not only are going to try to take something juicy, but they're going to twist the meaning or interpret it in a way that you know, riles people up. So yeah, I would say, look, going back to what Braden said, I've got to know that if the word Trump is uttered, then it's not just, yeah, good quote, throw in the story. I mean, I, and, and listen, this is why, like Saturday morning, I, t I did text Stackhouse and I was like, man, sorry about the shit storm over this. You know, I wasn't sorry for using it or for or even how it was used. I mean, it wasn't in any real different context when I read the transcript, in my opinion, but it was, I, I was naive to, to not anticipate this. And yeah, I think especially anything like that. We just, we can't talk about this stuff at all. You know, we can't. So what's the, so like, we're just sports media guys, but what is the solution? What, what can people in the media, what can readers do? Like what, what is the thing that we should be saying to people that I, I think we do a good job on this show. I, I know you've said this a, a bunch of times in, in all the different places that you speak and write that, that there has to be a pushback on that at some point. So, so what is the right way to push back on that and say, look, look, differing opinions are important. We have to be able to disagree. We have to be able to have nuance and context. And like that, that's what makes us who we are. H how do you push back? H what's the right approach? I mean, Brayden, I have zero answer for you. It's a great question. And I've heard you bring this up before. And, and I think, I think you, um, I think you've said some things about this that made me think that I appreciated, but I, I don't, I don't know other than, <laughs> you know, I, I think you, look, you, you have to, you have to not be afraid though, to, to let people express their opinion. And I think in our business, you have to, 
Because that's the thing. I just said I would go back, right, and maybe not use it. But I, mean, I, I want to ask you, Steve, what do you think about that? Like, what do you think if you were my editor and before this ran, I said, man, he said this doesn't really fit. It is a hell of a quote. Maybe we should maybe we should just ditch it. What would you say? I think it comes down to the question of and the, and you guys are in a unique position because you're a subscription only site. So you're not chasing clicks. You're chasing you're chasing readers and engagement with those readers. Am I am I wrong in that? Yeah. So I, you don't I mean that's not a that's not a value for you. You don't have to you don't have to have the headline, you don't have to have, you know, the outrage machine on social media to gen up traffic for you. So I, I think that shouldn't be uh, that shouldn't be a, a consideration for you now. As I say, shouldn't be. Is it? Maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, it depends on it depends on if you think the aftermath of that story hurts you or helps you in the long run. At the, in the Mississippi State after the Mississippi State game, you got lumped in with everybody else in the Stackhouse presser after the game. I, I mean, is that okay with you? Because it seems like that's what, and that's a, that's the easy thing for a subject like that to do is just go, ah, oh, the fucking media, they're all either out to get us or they're out chasing clicks or they're out doing whatever else. And so right. when you do a nuanced thing, which is what that first piece was on Friday, but by Saturday night, you're getting lumped in with everybody else. I mean, you tell me, is that fair? I didn't think so. And, you know, and but I tell, so there's, there's a lot more to this that strays away from from what Braden is talking about from the, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's, I mean, I guess my, like, I guess the question to me is before all that is like, are you, are you, I don't know if it's unethical or is it at least weak to not include that quote? Are you protecting someone if you don't use it? Again, I didn't even, I barely thought twice of it. I was like, we got to get this in somewhere. It's good. But you make, you make editing decisions all the time when you've got a, you've got a 50 pound bag of stuff and a four pound sock to put it in. Yeah. And, and, and that's just, you know, that's the writing process. I mean, if you go back through notebooks and transcripts and I mean, I know this is the case for me, I have an interview. I have two and a half hours of interview with somebody in a story that I'm working on right now that I know that maybe two sentences of will find, will make a final version and yeah. other contacts will be in. And I had to transcribe all that and kind of get it and to be able to show editors and to show whatever else. I mean, but that whole process was valuable. It, ge- it gave me context for the the thing that I'm working on. So you're always gonna you're always gonna throw stuff over the side. I, I don't I don't think that you're protecting someone by by not putting a quote in there. You're just saying maybe I don't want to deal with the shit afterwards. See, see, and and that's the thing. Like I, right. that's that's the this is the problem. This is the problem. Now I'm the one who's all pissed off. This is the problem. <laughs> the problem isn't the quote. I'm, I'm glad we could all have this therapy session here. It's when someone takes a quote, twists it around, and this is a problem with the media. And I understand, I, I, I never apologize for coaches. I think they're, you know, the multimillionaires in our sports are not the people that I care about, frankly. Like they, they're, they're doing just fine. But when people do complain about the media and things being taken out of context, I, I read Jerry Stackhouse's response on Saturday night when he had to address it, not thinking at all about your story thinking that your story was perfectly fine because I think it would take a moron to read that story and to take out some of the headlines that people took out of the story. And so when I hear Jerry Stackhouse say, well, that's just the way the media is, he's not wrong, but he's not wrong. He's, he's not talking about your story, in my opinion. 
He is talking about someone else outkicked who takes a, a headline and twists it and makes it something different that it's completely not like. So to me, I, I, like, again, again, now, now we're just all in our therapy session here. I don't think you're protecting him if you, if you take the quote out. What, what you have to be aware of is how other people are going to manipulate it for their own benefit. And, and that I don't know what we do about that. I don't know how we solve that problem. Yeah, well, I, I will. Well, OK, so and I, first of all, it wasn't just outkick either, by the way. You know, I saw other stuff out there that was just idiotic. But but it's, it's what got it started, though. The 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 blogosphere right. picked up on that particular yes. tweet and that story and that headline. And then it changed the entire story. No one went so, back and read the athletic story. So let me ask this scale, scale of one to 10. How, how shocked were you to, to see that outkick was the, was the, what was the, was the origin of all this bullshit? Well, I mean, if, if you, if you, someone said all this bullshit's going to happen, who's your guess? I mean, there's my first guess. I was taking my son to his uh, basketball game Saturday morning Actually, oh yeah, well shit, it was Braden. It was Braden who sent me the text. That's right. And then I'm texting with Mitch too. And so like the re my response was, oh shit, you know. <laughs> so so what what's the surprise level there? I mean, it was one of those things where immediately it hits me like, duh, of course. But honestly, I didn't expect it. So that's on me. I mean, just to, to, for not being aware. But Braden I will say this: you you say you think Jerry was just talking about like outkick or whatever. I don't I don't think that's true. I, and actually, I mean, I, I talked to Jerry Saturday night, and honestly, I think he had a bigger problem in this story with the Goodman stuff. I mean, because and again, this is one of those the so the reporting process on this. You know, I talked to his wife for for two interviews for a long time. Talked to his brother for a long time. Got a lot of stuff that didn't make the story. I mean. And sometimes I do that, you know, and you know, you know how it goes. I mean, you get a lot of stuff. And like you said, Steve, I mean, sometimes it's like one quote. That's kind of what it was. But I think that sometimes, and especially someone who maybe is in a kind of a new situation, the conversation and then those things, I think maybe you think, then you read it and you see Jeff Goodman saying he doesn't work hard, you know? Uh, I, I saw so like, I, so I think Jerry's problem, other, obviously he, he referred to the quote and he took a lot of shit for it. But I would say if he if he could change one thing about it, that would be it. That it's like, okay, so wait a minute, is this a story about me? And now all of a sudden, Jeff fucking Goodman, who I hate, is trashing me in the story. <laughs> now, now my answer is you trashed him, and I of course have to call him anyway. So I think that I mean at least your, to your point on what he was saying, he wasn't just talking about those guys. That's fair. It does feel like there's different reasons though to to be upset like you know a, a coach and a media member having beef is not anything new like right a, a media member thinks somebody sucks at their job and the coach thinks that guy sucks at their job and then we go round and round and it's just you know i i, I guess my follow-up to all this is just sort of when we are talking about people people are complicated they can have conflicting ideas inside their heads even a hundred different ways and i'm i'm sensitive on twitter like I, sometimes i get tweets and i'm just like god i and then I keep going back and forth. I keep going. I keep going. I can't get out of the cycle because I enjoy it. And then I realize I don't enjoy it. J Jerry certainly feels like he's one of those guys. Like he's in this, he, he doesn't mind getting into the sewers, but also, you know, is sometimes, you know, he's a guy who punches you in the mouth. <laughs> like he doesn't, he doesn't care if he's going to block you or not, you know, like he just doesn't care. Yeah. I mean, he, well, right. And you know, that's the thing too, is it's like, it's gotten so bad covering sports now compared to, I mean, I think back, 
And granted, I was spoiled. Like you covered Tom Izzo, like you get used to people actually saying what they think and everything like that, you know, and, and actually giving you information or whatever. Like he understands, let, let you into his practice, but like it's so antiseptic now and it is so guarded and just monotone coach speak bullshit. So then when you get something like this, it's like, oh, this is what we want. Just Jerry. Like, like I was done with that interview and I was like, man, like when's the last time like someone in a position like that actually said what they thought to that extent. I can't remember, you know? So now I don't know who know who knows what happens from here, but I, I, you know, I think Jerry, whatever happens here, I mean, I think he's going to be himself and he's probably going to say some other things that will piss people off. And if he wins, it will become endearing qualities. You know, he doesn't take anything and he's, you know, he's, he's fighting for us. He's our coach. And you know, if he, if he doesn't win, then he's thin skinned and combative. What's that, that guardedness a function of, is it, you know, there's more layers of PR now within sports than there've ever been both at the pro and collegiate levels. Is it the fact that, you know, we have access to social media and digital media and it, and it moves in so many different ways and people don't want to, you know, I don't want to set off something on Facebook or is it, these folks are more controlling now than they've ever been. What is it? Well, I think it's those things. I also think it's, I mean, look, I, I told you guys, I love this podcast. You know, I really like the discussion you had with Buck. I think that stuff like that scares people we cover like it or not. I think it does. And the, and the fact that, you know, I mean, I hate the term bloggers because that's, you know, I mean, it's plenty of people who come up through non-traditional ways who do a terrific job and are wonderful journalists, but there are people who sometimes have access or maybe they don't have access, but they have some kind of an audience. They have, they have the ear of the fans who just throw shit out there and don't follow what should be pretty agreed upon standards. So I think that's part of it too. I think, you know, all, all these teams have figured out now that, Hey, this is content for us. So, uh, you know, let's, let's tell our own story here, you know? And, and so, I mean, I think all those are factors, but yeah, I think the social media aspect of it, just the fact that, you know, I mean, it used to be like a coach might uh, talk shit about like another coach and it, it might just be in the newspaper and who knows if it even gets back to them, you know? And now it's like, oh, they will see it within three seconds. You know, it'll be tweeted at them immediately. I think that's part of it. There's a little bit of, I think all those things, I don't know how to divvy up the pie, but I think those are all factors. Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jaspers. <laughs> there was a big head nod there. Uh, you know, I, I was trying not of, to scream directly into the microphone. You're all welcome. A lot of uh, a lot of body movement, a lot of a lot of English on that one. We do appreciate it. Brought to you by Jaspers, of course, from the amazing people at Four Top Hospitality, who have brought you. You guys know all the restaurants by now at this point: Amerigo, Etch, etc., Char, Saltine, a trusted name in Nashville cuisine for three decades. Comes the next evolution of the sports bar, uh, a great place to watch the game and get way better food than you would traditionally get in that type of setting. It's got way better vibes, more neighborhoody, sort of a watering hole. Would you call it the next evolution of the sports bar? I, I, I mean, personally, absolutely, because it hits me right where I want to <laughs> like it hits me exactly where I want to be. I'm, I'm, I want to be in a place that's not like a smoky Broadway bar, but also I don't want to I don't want to skimp on the food. You know what I mean? Like I want, I, I've earned the right. I've worked hard to have, have some nice food, you know, and it's not that expensive. It's not like it, you know, it's, it's very affordable. Sure. Uh, by the way, you can also order a gold standard cocktail 
which is named after the gold standard podcast, which we've talked about. And it sounds like Steve, you are getting submissions. So people, friends? Have, been, people have been texting me about what a lame stream drink would be. How, like what's in the lame stream. <laughs> we have, we have survived. Maybe that this is like a version of the dirty sock. Nobody wants to drink that. Uh, a, a good friend of mine, a writer here in town, texted me and said that it should be a fireball shot out <laughs> of a Peron, you know, the big kind of like Spanish looking things that they that they pour wine out of and call it the flame stream. I that's not bad. That's uh, you know, not bad. The, you know, Chris Chamberlain, talented writer, has a way with a phrase. Flame stream's good. A buddy of mine in Dallas texted me and and leaned more into the lame part of the lame stream. <laughs> He said, it's, uh, he said that it should be a Matilda Bay wine cooler from 1987, <laughs> a combination of both liberal and MAGA tears, and then both sweet and dry vermouth. Oh, God. Show me to God someone can do it better than that. But oh, uh, I, I, thought that was a, I thought that was a good effort. Uh, it was a good effort. That is, so, that is tremendous. Flamestream's not bad. Go in there and get yourself a Flamestream's not bad at all. Although you're you're asking you're you're asking the the the, the bartender to to like cue it up <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to to do like the big giant pour over to you. All right, so, well, some, some, send us some submissions if you think you've got a really good cocktail idea for Jasper's to have behind their bar that would be tied somehow into lamestream sports. This show about media and business in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, I mean, please, you, please you send them to us. Put all of those things into a class, please. There, there's got to be something, uh, you know, self-righteous that we can come up with. <laughs> Those of us in the media. Um, uh, anyway, go to Jasper's because uh, the food's great and it's an awesome place to, to have a cocktail, which you can get the gold standard, which is a great name for a cocktail. And it's a very refreshing beverage. A little bourbon, a little uh, unsweet, uh, unsweet tea, some lemon, some orange, limoncello. It's quite refreshing, quite That's nice. That's good, but I think we can beat the gold standard. So, so, so send us your, send us your best right. bets. All right. Well, uh, Fringe Element podcast already has beef right now because she doesn't. Aaron wants the host on that show wants a cocktail, and she's kind of angry that Adam like rubs it in her face a little bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, I just want to get everybody a cocktail, okay, Steve? That's all I'm trying to do. Jasper's, can you help me out, please? There we go. Everybody, go to Jasper's and you know ask if you can have your own cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> go order Jasper's! the go, go order the Cavendish. It's it's <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, great food, socially distanced, lots of space, 9,000 square feet, bar, grab and go market, uh, tons of places to, to, to relax and sort of watch a game and, and feel safe about it with great food, great menu by Deb Paquette and, and, and free parking. So free parking. There you go. Nashville doesn't like to walk. Check it out. In, in the interview with Stackhouse, there's a very specific kind of through line uh, that you have. You're a very successful, you were a very successful pro athlete, and there's a grind to coaching that might be antithetical to either that success or that lifestyle. You know, it's the, you know, why would you work this hard if you already have this much money kind of question? You know, you related it to Vrabel, and I think you've had this conversation with Vrabel before. You know, why would anybody willingly get into these hours and, and that sort of thing? For a long time, sports writers have had a hard time relating to pro athletes now. There, there, there's a class gap. It has been widening forever. Does that 
is that now going to extend to coaches? I mean, coaches are multimillionaires. They're, I mean, I think they announced today or yesterday that Tennessee's defensive coordinator is going to make a million five a year. Certainly guys that are coming down from the pro ranks, these are, what did Stackhouse make over his career? 50, 80, $100 million in, in, right. in salary. Can, can you relate to these people anymore as a sports writer? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I still think that, you know, in a lot of cases, it's, uh, I mean, money doesn't change everyone, right? But but it does, I think it changes the conversation around all this. And that's probably another factor. And even just in, in how, like in how college sports are covered, for example. And I think back to, you know, I think back to like early as a beat writer, even thinking about things like NCAA violations, you know, you know, the, the instinct is to vilify the kids or the family who's taking the money, vilify the coach for cheating, not to look at the system that is enriching a few people over here. And, you know, the, 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 the labor is still at the same level that they've been for decades and decades, you know, I think that's changed for the better. It's not really answering your question, but I think about things like that. It's funny too, going back to Izzo. Um, so early in his tenure, there was a writer he had a particular like beef with. And one at one point, he, uh, not at one point, but I mean, this was a kind of a common thing was he believed that this writer hated him because he like, he made more money than the writer. <laughs> like, or that was at least a throw. Like, well, and so even at that point, you know, you're talking about, whoa, you're making a few hundred thousand dollars a year as the coach. I mean, gosh, I mean, I remember when Bo Schembechler was about to get a hundred thousand and it was just, are you kidding me? And obviously now it's just like, well, I mean, it's just incredible how it's the inflation rate is just, you know, out of hand. So I don't know. I don't know. I haven't thought about it in those terms. Like, do you relate less to them because they're so rich? I mean, to me, it's still, it's still, it's, it's, it's the American dream, right? I mean, it's not like we're covering um, like the family in succession, you know? I mean, mean, like we're still covering like sports people, but, but maybe, maybe that's, that's, I I hadn't thought about it that way. I I don't think like Tim, and it's just my personal take on it. I don't think it's necessarily that you're unrelatable. I think that there is a power dynamic at play especially for young reporters and young individuals who are intimidated, who come into a situation where someone has the power to influence that person's ability to do their job. And, and with great, with a great paycheck comes power. And so I think to me, it's all about, you have to learn to get your feet under you as a young reporter, young journalist, young radio host, whatever, and understand that you're just talking to another person. You, you can't put these people on a pedestal because they make so much money. The problem with that is that because they make so much money, they do have some power. And there is there is an ability there to affect someone's job. And I, that's, that's, I couldn't imagine being 24 right now, walking out of college, out of J school and going into a, a press conference to have to talk to Mike Vrabel every day. You know, like that, that would be intimidating. And it would take a while to understand that you're just you're just two people talking about football here. Like, like it's not that serious. Well, do you think they have that much more power now because of the money than like? I mean, again, I'll I'll go back on my experience. It was awfully intimidating as a student trying to cover Nick Saban uh, or like a Bear Bryant. You know, be, I mean, larger than life. I don't know what he made in 1974. You know, but I mean, I, I guess it's already. It wasn't it already kind of like that to an extent? I mean, I know it's it's a different layer of it now. You're not flying on planes or you're not on an SEC Skyrider plane with all the coaches today drinking beers. And, you know, you're not at a New York yes. bar with, you know, you, you know, Will Chamberlain's not coming by or, you know, whatever to the bar you're drinking at. 
in, in downtown Manhattan, you know, after hours, like that doesn't happen. That's not, we're not people together anymore. That's, that's true. It is a way. Yeah. There's a big barrier. There's no doubt. And sometimes I feel like I hear stories from the old days like that. And it's like, were you a little too cozy sometimes with people you were covering? Maybe. I think maybe that was the case. But at the same time, I look, there are some coaches who I, I think still value the idea of like relationships and off the record conversations and thinking that actually it's good for me for media to know what's happening rather than guess. Too few of them feel that way. And that's a shame. It really is because I think it's absolutely beneficial to anyone who's doing, you know, who, who's legit as a coach, who's doing a good job. You shouldn't be afraid of that kind of scrutiny that or sharing that kind of information. What went into the the decision to publish a transcript? Because the transcript is a nice sort of, for lack of a better term, the transcript's a nice fuck you to people that aggregate this kind of stuff. Because it, it, you're able to you're able to lay out for your readers and contextualize. Okay, story, stupidity which followed. Here's the context for everything. Are you going to have to do more of that in in sort of this day and age? God, I hope not. <laughs> uh, I really, because really, I was asked, uh, somebody asked me, like, have you done that before? And I was like, and like I've, I've run full Q and A's before, but not not like in this kind of a situation. I mean, I will tell you that w- one of the reasons is, is what Jerry said post game. He was like, I'm glad we got you know the video of this and journalism's going a certain way. And I was pissed at first, and I was like. There's no context that's different, but all right, I'll run the whole damn transcript. And, you know, again, it, it cooled down and I got a different sense for things uh, after talking to him. But honestly, it was also to that point, And this is where you, know, you guys have had lots of discussions about Twitter and the pluses and minuses. And, you know, people on Twitter are like, you're going to share the transcript, Joe? Huh, huh, huh? And of course, I'm like, you're damn right I will. So it's like, <laughs> there's, well, there's, nu- I guess there's I'm nuclear better. codes. There's nuclear codes in there, Joe, that you're hiding. What are you hiding from us, Joe? Exactly. So, and, but then I was like, you know what, here, another thing about it though, is there was a lot of stuff that I mean, if you guys read the whole thing and it is, it's, it's meaty. There's a lot of stuff in there that I, I thought was actually really good and interesting that did make the story too. Like I, I did look at like, at least like, if you really want to learn more about Jerry Stagger, you're a Vanderbilt fan, you want every bit of information you possibly get. Like there is some really good stuff in there, even about his childhood that I condensed into like two paragraphs, you know? I mean, like he had a quote about like, I mean, I want Drew Weicker to go like smoke people at the Y when he's older. Like this part of this is much <laughs> part of it to me is like, you know, Scotty Pippen being the pros. I like, that's all like, that's cool. You know, I love that yeah. quote. So, I mean, at least it was like entertaining and I thought good. I, what's interesting is I would compare this to the, the moment you see a tri- in a trial where like a, a, a prosecutor has a, an outburst or a defense attorney has the outburst and, and the, or the, the witness has an outburst. And all of it's like totally hearsay and not real. And, and the judge is like, all right, hang on a second, guys. That has been stricken from the record. The jury will pretend that you didn't hear it. And I'm going like, how does that work? That doesn't work. And that's where we are today. Like, it's the same thing in politics. It's the same thing with news. The, the, the cat's out of the bag. The damage has been done. Once you pull a headline and change it and completely twist the meaning of it, and everybody's seen only that, I'm willing to bet you way more than have read all 7,500 words of a transcript. It, the damage is already kind of done. And I don't, again, I don't even have a question for you, Joe. I just don't know how we fix the problem. Well, that, it, it's your, it's your previous question. And I, and I continue to have no answer, but it's a great question. I mean, because that's the thing, like if, so let's say they just, you know, they don't do well, he gets fired in three years. 
how many people are gonna be like, oh, maybe you should have shut up about Trump. You know, I mean, you guarantee it. It's way more people who, like you said, didn't even care to look into what the story was or the you know or the full interview. I mean, I don't have, I don't know what the answer is other than as many people who want to do things correctly and honestly, you know, please do that. And I look, I'll take this to Steve's argument with Buck because I love Buck. And I love those guys at A to Z, but they're an example of let's not let's not let things erode too much here. I mean, yeah, there was value in, in finding out what people thought about the kid, but letting people just tee off on somebody like that. I mean, I I don't think we should be going there. And I think if you, I do think that there should be, um, you know, some kind of a, I mean, there should be an understanding of who's actual media and who isn't. And those guys are they're credentialed. They do a really good job for the most part. But there's an example. Like, don't let it go the other way and blend yourself in with all the assholes. Social media is dealing with this. The, these, these Silicon Valley companies are dealing with this. Oh, we'll pull it down. We'll pull it down. We'll, we'll revoke your privileges. We'll pull the Twitter account down or whatever. But again, once you've already sent out the thing that gets whatever people riled up, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So r- real quickly here uh, as a follow-up to the if Jerry gets fired or if he does well, I am fascinated by revisionist fandom. I think it's a major problem. I, I think... You know, you can have an opinion one year, you can have an opinion the next year, and they can be different, and that's okay because new shit has come to light, man. And so I think I don't know how we. That's another question I have: is how do we solve? Like I, I have a very unpopular opinion about Rick Barnes when he was hired, but that was six years ago on Twitter, and 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 like he had just been fired from Texas. Like I, you can only operate with the information that you have at the moment, and I don't, I, I honestly don't understand freezing cold takes. Like I don't, I actually don't get the point of it because it's. When, when things change, you're allowed to have an opinion that evolves. And it's important that we have opinions that evolve. So in other words, freezing cold takes has, has brought up your Rick Barnes uh, tweet a few times. Oh, I, was that I, what I'm taking for this? <laughs> yes, I, I was dragged through the mud a couple of years ago when they were, you know, when they were a top 10 team and they, they were playing yeah. Iowa in the Sweet 16. Everyone's like, look at this jack wagon who thought that was a terrible hire. <laughs> I'm like... It's what's going to happen when yeah. when uh, when uh, Josh Heupel goes 7-5 and five or 8-4 and four and Braden's going to have to eat that uh, this fall. So that'll be, that'll be a cause for celebration. Oh, I, I, I'm predicting seven and five every year and that that will get him fired eventually. <laughs> That's probably actually, fair. Actually. Well, it's like a year ago. I was like, Titans, absolutely pay whatever you have to pay for Jadavion Clowney. And right now, no, don't pay him anything. You know, I mean, new information helps. I mean, that Rick Barnes opinion, by the way. I mean, let, let's be honest. Percentage of the Vols fan base or or even just whatever, college basketball media who were celebrating that hire at the time. Not large. Not many. No. Not many at all. Well, and that that's the, oh, Tannehill should have started over Mariota thing too. Like, no, you Miami paid you $4 million to take a guy off your hands. Like exactly. no one no one saw this coming. But I, my, my, my issue is, this, is that's okay. That's why we love sports. We're fans of sports because we want to see things that we've never seen before happen. We've never seen a Ryan Tannehill story. It's one of the most unique stories in all of NFL football, his career arc. Like I, I want to see Rick Barnes. Those are the, those are the things that make being a sports fan fun. And, and I just feel like this revisionist fandom is, is taking that away from us to like be surprised about stuff and, you know, change an opinion. And, Oh, that's, that's really freaking cool. I'm that's really exciting for you. Or, Oh man, we were wrong about that. Like, why can't we just say that? Like, Cheers. Have a beer. We were wrong. Like, I don't understand. Well, so this is really a criticism of social media because there's always got to be a troll who shames somebody about something, right? Always. Yeah, I, I suppose. But 
it's just taken on a different. I mean, that's where 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 does it happen? Where does it happen? Well, I think here's and here's an interesting kind of a follow up to you guys. I don't know if the, the pandemic has certainly had an impact on this because we can't have face to face interactions, but there is a natural sort of um, your your personality when you're in front of someone, when you're around somebody, when you're talking to them. There there is a human element that sort of keeps those things at bay, <laughs> like naturally. And you can just yeah, you disarm people a little bit, right? Right. Like somebody's gonna be like, oh, you're being a douchebag. Like stop acting. <laughs> like someone in the room is gonna just tell you, like stop being an asshole. And then you'll be like, oh, maybe I'm being an asshole. And then you'll stop. And then you all go back to having a beer again. Like the, the, the flat communication of the digital thing is is the problem. I don't know if it's just social media. You're well, saying we bring it back. You bring it around a stack house. I mean, you know, and I used to be, believe it or not, I used to like fight with people way more on Twitter than I do now. Uh, and it was only like two years ago that I, that I learned of like, my buddy Nick Baumgartner up in Michigan was like, "Mute them, man." The mute, the mute button like, is a is a giant, giant advantage. It's, because you just don't know anymore. And I'm sure, yeah, you don't know. And some asshole doesn't get to screenshot it and say, "Oh, Rexroad's blocking me. Look at that guy." And so to bring it around to Jerry Stackhouse, I think really the the bottom line here is mute people. Mute yeah. people, Jerry. Because there's a lot of people, a lot of satisfaction in town, including a lot of media members who apparently, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to, I need to do a whole poll of the entire Nashville media core to see how many have been blocked by Stackhouse. In the, in the wake of, in the wake of kind of reactions to this, how much, how much does race play into this? The Vanderbilt fan base, let's just call it not the most progressive fan base. Is, is there a racial dynamic at play here or not i see i see steve kerr for instance think of like the white liberal coach off the top of my head say similar stuff about trump or about politics or about whatever else and they're just like oh that's steve kerr and then stackhouse says it and he becomes a target well greg popovich look and another thing and i and i wrote this i mean two day or maybe the same day or maybe it was like a couple days later in a midweek game Rick Barnes ripped a couple of his players like he does often after games. He calls guys out all the time. Where's the outrage over Rick Barnes calling guys out? Again, I, I wrote it. And I swear this podcast has become me like bashing Izzo left and right. But you know, luckily he's not on Twitter, so he won't like see the tweet. Um, dude, he, I mean, if there was a loss that Izzo didn't rip someone's ass, it was the weirdest thing in the world. But I mean, and, and granted, you know, I mean, he took some shit for it here and there, but like the the reaction to Stackhouse there, I was like, huh, that seems a little different. And I think you have a point there, Steve. You talk about the fan base. See, okay, so we're Catholic. So I don't. I think of the Vandy fan base as not all not like I think there's an old guard and there's a new guard, right? The alums yeah. and things like that. It's kind of like Catholic Church. There's a very conservative side and a very <laughs> liberal side. And I don't. I certainly do not want to start getting into religion talk now. I was just gonna say um, we could be here for hours. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do the politics and religion. But yeah, of course, I think there's a racial component here for some people. No, no question about it. And again, I asked someone like, if you can you seriously tell me that you, uh, you're clutching your pearls because a black man said that the popularity of Trump makes him think about racism. I mean, again, stop it there. Argue whatever side you want. But just stop right there. You're going to tell me that that shocks you. That's some <laughs> uh, that's some amazing, mind-blowing quote. It's Come on. It's bullshit. Well, and it, what's funny is Vanderbilt, 
I mean, I don't, again, I'm going to broadly generalize here. So take, do this, do with this, what you will. But I, I think there's a lot of people, Auburn fans, Tennessee fans, Florida fans, Alabama fans that look at Vanderbilt as like the, the liberal school in, in, in the conference as right. they're the ones with the social equality programs and Oren Burke's out there doing things that are amazing in the community. Not that there aren't amazing kids doing amazing things at every campus in the sec, but I, it's funny because I never really viewed Vanderbilt as that, but I, there is an old guard in the SEC in particular as a conference that uh, sure there's some old ways of thinking uh, like that shouldn't be shocking to people. Well, and Vanderbilt has, you know, Vanderbilt has a, a black woman as an athletic director, you know, which again, it's like, I mean, Vanderbilt, uh, the, the whole bizarre firing of Malcolm Turner and Vanderbilt puts out a press release of course, like immediately celebrating that. And it's like, so Vanderbilt, you get to be the least embarrassed of the SEC because it's 2020 and this happened. You get to be the least embarrassed, okay, of the 14. <laughs> you know, you don't get to celebrate that. It's ridiculous. We're waiting this long for something like that, you know. But but yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. That is absolutely the perception, I think, around. And I think with some Vander, Vanderbilt fans, you know, it's like, oh, we're the woke school and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, don't get me started. <laughs> Joe, I got I got one last question for you. Why are you ignoring the twenty two and one Belmont Bruins, the best uh, basketball team in Nashville? And are you going to continue to are you going to continue to ignore Belmont, maybe the best team in Tennessee? Now listen, now we have a we have Settle a down there, short Steve. form. Settle down. We have we have a short form function for subscribers, and I've written many things about Belmont. But actually, it's funny you say that. I am working on a Belmont feature as we speak. I wrote the other day on the short form: Is Belmont the best team in the state? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the way Tennessee's playing right now, I see Braden shaking your head, but that is a uh, this I, Belmont I think, team. I think it's a fair ooh, question. They could be special. No, I think it's totally fair. I think it's a totally fair question. Now the, the seating. Uh, won't look like that. <laughs> no, 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 unfortunately. But although, although it, it'll be interesting this year, uh, they may benefit from a true S curve as opposed to sort of like the regional movement that 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 that's changed that changes some of like the true kind of seating within the within the tournament. I think I, I think they'll get a truer shot this year than they'll ever get. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, could they be a eleven? You know, maybe it's hard because like if they win out. I mean, my God, you have to reward that, but they didn't get opportunities. You know, obviously if you look at like who they're playing in the, in the, in the NET numbers, not good, you know? So, but I think they're special, Steve, and I appreciate you asking and got some. Only, only the tough questions here, Joe, only the tough. That's questions. right. <laughs> uh, major right, so, Belmont content coming. So, so we'll, <laughs> we'll let you go. And I guess I just want you in your own words to sort of encapsulate the last week. What, what is it you want people to change about their media habits, maybe learn from this week of, of ridiculousness, the giant nothing burger that was a quote in a good story. What, what, what is it you think you want people to, to take away from all of this? Oh, Braden, you keep asking me to fix the world. And I don't know how, um, but I mean, yeah, I'd love people to, I mean, I'd love people to look into things and not react to headlines and <laughs> tweets, you know, but I, I, I don't know that I'm, I'm terribly optimistic about it. I mean, I think it's it's also up to us to, you know, to be conscious of things. Again, I'd probably do it a little differently, you know, knowing what I know now. But yeah, I, I would like people to to read things, you know, and also click on things and then click subscribe if they haven't subscribed yet, you know. So I was gonna say your answer here should be 
should be subscribed to the athletic for depth and context. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, 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 two, two words come to mind, critical thinking. That, that's it. That's all it takes. And, and the athletic does a great job of that, of offering information to allow for and create critical thinking. And I think it's a lost art in our country right now. So, Hey, I've, I've heard your rants on before Braden. And you know what? One thing, keep doing it, man. Cause I, I love it. And, uh, and you're right. I mean, like, like the point you made before you made the point about Herb street, you know, we get a dude who gets pounded so much on Twitter that he just stops talking for months. Like that's someone who would, who should be in the conversation at all times. And that's another thing for all of us. Like, just cause you take some shit. Okay. Well, don't, don't, don't quit. Don't get out of it. Cause like we need good people doing it. Just mute. Yeah. And mute. <laughs> right. Joe, Joe Rex Road from The Athletic. Go subscribe, of course. He does a radio show, my old job, literally. Uh, so, Joe, have a good, we appreciate your time, man. Always a pleasure, buddy. All right. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. I appreciate it. All right. That was me uh, basically asking Joe Rexroad to solve all of the world's problems, Steve. Uh, and I do appreciate him try, trying his hardest to give me good answers to those questions that have no answers right now in the media. I, uh, I appreciate Rexroad making time to uh, to go deep inside the weeds here uh, with this. But it's an interesting dilemma that we're in in kind of the social media age and people reacting and people interpreting and twisting, sometimes authentically, sometimes not authentically. You can, you know, judge for yourself whether or not some of the, some of the takes on Rexford's uh, initial Stackhouse piece were authentic or not. But, but I think Joe handled it in one of the best ways, which is taking advantage of this digital medium to give everything, to put the whole interview out there and then say, okay, motherfuckers, twist all of this. <laughs> Which I which which I thought was great, and and Stackhouse, and we talked about this, but like coaches, this is not a new conversation. You, you know, coaches are damned if they do, damned if they don't, and if we want them to be brutally honest, and then when they are, we 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 bust their ass for being brutally honest, and and like I just, but the problem is, it's not just coaches; it's like sort of the entire world right now. It's just this, you know, as I said to Joe, like it's just we're all just so sensitive about everything that we can't just take time to sort of like disagree, think through things critically, and like come out the other side just still being like okay with each other <laughs> and and it's like it feels like every issue with social media misinformation out of context all these buzz phrases that are problems with the quote-unquote media a lot of them are on the media but a lot of them are on the fans and a lot of them are on the coaches like it's sort of all of our fault together i guess i mean i agree with that so i agree well i hope you guys all enjoyed that conversation and best, best commentary possible folks right <laughs> That is why you come to this show is two word sentences from Steve Cavendish. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, well, again, I, Joe did most of the work today and, and we appreciate his time. And again, I recommend like going through and reading each thing in, in, as it happens, right? Like read Rex Road's piece, read the internet reaction, read Jerry Stackhouse's commentary after the game, and then read the transcript and see for yourself. Like you can see the matrix unfolding in front of you, right? Like, so just... Just sort of uh, go through and, and, and enjoy it all in your own in your own time, in your own space. So, all right, let's get to recommendations here uh, on the program. I have a quick, like, personal recommendation before I'm going to be very self-serving, Steve. Like, I love the snow. I know you do, too. Go out. Like, if you're listening to this podcast, put some earbuds in. Go out for a walk. Take the dog for a walk. It is Snow is beautiful. It makes the world a beautiful place. It makes the most mundane, littlest, tiniest, stupidest things very, very pretty, in my opinion. I love it. The, I've taken the kids out every day this week. 
So take advantage of, of something we rarely get in this, in this city. So go, go take a walk, man. <laughs> snow, like the, the amount of snow that we've had here and it, yeah, it's kind of a bummer that it's kind of shut, shut a bunch of stuff down, you know, shut schools and businesses and whatever else down. I know that, that having been said, this is a once a year sort of event. We spent eight winters in Chicago, but by the time this time of year rolls around, you've seen enough snow and you're sick of it. And, yep. and it's gray and disgusting and, and, and whatever else right now it's fluffy and pretty and just, it, it is like the best version of snow. So go enjoy it while the temperatures aren't in single digits and it's, it's nice and, and sledable and, and you can make a good snowball out of it. So totally self-serving here, which I told you, Steve, that I would do on occasion, but very rarely. Totally self-serving. Corey Forster of the Well-Read Comedy Tour, one of the one of the liberal rednecks and the liberal redneck manifestos, was on the Fringe Element podcast. He talked a lot about Southern life, Southern culture, SEC football, and comedy. You Popped know, up on the Thursday edition of the 440 Daily. There you go. Just uncomfortable topics. And I, I think... Not only am I sort of shilling for that episode, but just shilling for what they do in general, because I think one of the easiest ways for us to put down the swords and get to know each other better and disagree and still, again, be fine and be friends at the end of uh, is through laughter, is through comedy, is through people being funny. Dave Chappelle, you know, Richard Pryor, like people that are unafraid to go after un un uncomfortable topics, but do it in an entertaining way so that both sides can still laugh at themselves. And, and I think that's what those guys do. Trey Crowder, Corey Forrester, Drew Morgan. These guys are all on the, the well-read comedy tour. So you're not going to agree with everything they say. And that's okay. Like, it's fine. It's, it's, it's important that we disagree. But it's also important that we laugh. And so I think the, these guys do it in a great way. They're, they're very self-deprecating and also very, very intelligent and very funny. So go check them out. The well-read well -read comedy tour. And huge sports fans, and and and, yes. and, a, and a lot of fun to listen to on sports. His takes on Georgia football cracked me up, and and the fact that he, he told a great story about his entire family grew up Tennessee fans, and then one day switched because they fucked Johnny Majors over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. like it's just, and then he tells the whole story as to how that happened. It's just he's 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 they're very smart, very funny. Go check them out. Obviously, Fringe Element is great, so go check that out too. So, Phil Fulmer making friends since nineteen <laughs> since nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, what you got for the good people? You've heard us talk about a bunch of different newsletters uh, on here before, and we've mentioned Substack as well. Uh, Substack is a is a newsletter platform, and the interesting thing is that Substack is there's been a bunch of changes in at different media companies, and a lot of writers have just converted over the last year to two years to writing paid newsletters. What I would do is I would encourage you to go to Substack and you can filter their leaderboards pretty quickly by different things. Like a look at the a look at the top newsletters on Substack right now has some absolutely great content. So Matt Miller who who was the NFL guy for Bleacher Report just left and now has like the number one uh, newsletter on sub on sports Substack. God, he, get it huge, out huge Jason Isbell fan. I have argued with him about Jason Isbell for years because of the format. He can kind of customize it to, to whatever he wants to do. So like he had a piece already yesterday about with, with, with Carson Wentz sort of off the board, what, you know, what is, what is the rest of the draft look like? What, you know, what, with what's Philly going to do? What are the Colts going to do? How's it going to affect other people in those divisions? It was really, really good. There's a bunch of really great newsletters on yeah. there. Craig, if you're a baseball guy, Craig, I'm going to, I'm going to mispronounce the name. Craig Calcaterra does, a, does a really good job, really smart guy. 
True Hoop is on there. True Hoop, which had done was was doing like a lot of the ESPN basketball content for years, now has like a monthly paid newsletter on Substack, and and you're seeing more and more places do that because they can reach out to kind of this this kind of huge base of people. Oh, the gig economy, <laughs> but, <laughs> reaching the media. It's just but but I mean, there's self self distribution is what it is. So yeah, it's self distribution, but it also has allowed some people like Lindsey Gibbs is a good example. Uh, Lindsey Gibbs has a it's called Power Plays uh, has a a Substack just about sexism in sports, which is a very narrow sort of thing. You wouldn't see that as necessarily a beat at a big publication. It's something that she might be writing on kind of along with other topics, but the the medium gives her the opportunity to find a paid audience for this for this very big topic. And you're going to see, I think, more and more of that in Substack, in whatever the thing that Twitter's launching, uh, in, in sort of other ways that you're having basically the sports section come to you in your inbox every morning. Yep. And it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating model. It, it, evolve or die. <laughs> that's, that's where, where everybody is right now. So uh, obviously special thanks to, to Joe Rexro. So check out the Substack uh, top rankings there. Uh, and of course, check out the well-read comedy tour, Corey Forrester, Drew Morgan, and Trey Crowder, Joe Rexro and the athletic, of course, the morning show on one two five, the game. Yes. My old job. Um, so special thanks. Gonna so you're going to say that. Okay, as many times as I can. I don't know. <laughs> Should I not say it? I, I feel like I have to acknowledge it, right? No, it's good. It's funny. Okay. All right. Um, special thanks to Jaspers, of course, our title sponsor here on Lamestream Sports. We do appreciate all of their support. So please, if you like this show, go check them out. It's it's this is a more genuine request and call to action, as they say in the business. <laughs> Just go check out Jaspers, man. I promise you, it's really good food. It's a really good vibe. It's a good hang. Great place to watch a game. Uh, drink a gold standard and tweet us and send us, uh, you know, what, what should our cocktail be? Uh, what should Lamestream Sports cocktail be at Jasper's? My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Thank you all for listening. This has been Lamestream Sports on the 440 Sports Network.